Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. In this episode, I talk with Bentley CEO Tony Saker about authenticity and mission and integrity and building corporate culture. Welcome to the Indispensables. I have the tremendous privilege today of interviewing Tony Saker. He's the chief executive officer of Bentley's Network. Bentley's Network is the 12th largest accounting and advisory firm in Australia. And get this, uh, Tony was the CEO of the Sydney Stock Exchange. Uh, that's just one of his many senior executive roles uh, over a, a decades-long career. Uh, Tony Saker, welcome to the Indispensables. Thank you very much, Bruce. Pleasure to be here. I'm so glad to have you. And uh, uh, we met, uh, gosh, you know, before, in the before times uh, at, at an accounting conference in uh, in Budapest. Yeah, no, a, a, a great conference there with uh, with the folks from Millennial, and uh, you know, myself and some of our partners here from Bentley's were, uh, you know, if you don't mind me saying, we're very very impressed with your your presentations over there. And it was, um, you know, it's been a delight since then to uh, get to know you better and have various interactions over, over the last year or so. Yeah, well, likewise. And uh, uh, I thought that was a great conference and Alineal Global is, is, uh, is great. And, uh, but one of, the, one of the best things for me about uh, going to Budapest was making, uh, making your acquaintance. So I'm so glad to have you on. I'm so glad to introduce you to the listeners of The Indispensables. And so let me ask uh, you to just explain, how did you get to where you are? Um, how does somebody get to be you huh. um yeah look I, I guess i took a somewhat circuitous route to to become ceo of um Benley's, uh, which is which is you know my, my my pleasure to be in this role um you know i started my career after after university in in financial markets so i worked for uh various investment banks over i guess the first 20 years of my career in in, in essentially trading rooms and so I guess your average CEO of, um, of accounting firms hasn't had that financial markets background. Um, you know, so I worked in trading floors in, in Sydney and in, in, and in New York as well for, for five years. You know, that was, that was, that was an excellent time um, do, doing that type of work. You know, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I guess I'm a bit of a math nerd, so I really enjoyed that sort of work. Um, but after returning to Australia and, you know, I guess I'd been in that industry for 17, 18 years. And I, I, I guess I just decided I wanted something else. I don't know whether I, I matured or, or, or I just wanted something else out of my career, but I decided I wanted to move into executive leadership. So I, I guess I took a view that there was a type of role and a type of position I, I um, wanted, which was, frankly, CEO roles. Um, and when I made that decision, um, I, I guess I realized that to do that, I couldn't just land in those type of roles just by turning up. You know, I, I needed to enhance my credentials, I felt. So I, I undertook an MBA um, to ensure that, you know, my knowledge on strategic development and executive leadership skills was, was well-founded. And then I also pursued um, a, a course we have here in Australia, which is the um, Institute of Company Directors course to, to um, enhance my knowledge on governance type matters so you know that then allowed me at least in my own mind to have that foundation as to where I for where I wanted to get to um, I felt that the, the education foundation was there and you know I'm, I've always been a very very big believer in the power of education I, I you know it may sound somewhat trite but my, my dad always instilled that in me you know the, the, the more you learn the more you earn and it's not so much about the money but it's about the, the, the seniority and the the interest in the role that you, you want to do. If you want to get somewhere and somewhere significant, you, you're going to have to put the work in. I, I love uh, what you're saying, and I want to unpack it a tiny bit. I, I, I do want to ask about 
the experience of being on a trading floor and, you know, what that work is like. And, um, I, I, um, and I'm, and I, and I, and I, but I do want to draw a bright line under your point that, you know, here you are a Titan of business in the trading environment. Uh, you want to make a change and you're, you're not afraid to learn in plain sight, right? You're not afraid to say, okay, well, obviously I bring a tremendous amount of talent and energy, uh, to the table. Uh, but I'm going to go um, get more formal learning under my belt before I try to take on one of those other positions. Absolutely. Look, I think I think a lot of folks in their in their careers they they covet positions. You know, in, in many ways, it's like it's like being back in school. You know, if you if you want good grades, it, 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 I'm sure everybody approaches it an exam thinking, hey, I want 95%, but if you haven't studied, you, you, you're just not going to get it. You know, and similarly, I think in your, in your career, if, if you don't do the work, you, you're not going to get that next next role. And so in, 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 in my view, because I was looking to move into executive leadership, I, I was pragmatic enough to know, well, I'm not going to be CEO of the bank to move out of financial markets into immediately moved to CEO of, of any financial um, bank that I was working for. So it was literally, okay, I've got to go do this. If I don't do it, it's, it's not going to happen. So therefore, the, the onus was on me to, to make it happen. And a, a lot of people don't, I guess, realize that. Like you, you can only control what you can control, I guess. And for me, it was like, well, if I want to do that, the best way for me to have some control over that is to actually go to the MBA, at, you know, it's – Three years part time. It's a lot. It's a lot of work while you're still working as well. But um, you know, it's absolutely worth it. I, I never. I actually never felt it uh, a trial studying either while working. Um, it was. I've chosen to do this. This is my choice. I'm in control. I'm. I'm going to do these subjects and, and work my way through my MBA. And it was. It was great to do. It was deliberate. And I said to a lot of the folks I talk to here at, here at Bentley's or, or even outside of Bentley's, other, other people that ask any questions, you know, you, if you want to get somewhere, you, you, you got to put the work in. You know, I, so I love it. And of course, you know, I, here I live in a college town and, you know, uh, hang out with a lot of professor types and, um, you, you know, sometimes formal education nowadays uh, gets a bad name. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who thinks, well, you know, you, you don't need to figure everything out on your own. You don't need to reinvent the wheel that um, going to an institution that's designed to teach you all the latest and greatest uh, uh, research and best practices, you know, that's a pretty good way to accelerate your your uh, your your knowledge and your skill and your expertise and you know you don't need to you don't need to learn in secret you can learn in plain sight and uh, and that works just fine and often you know, I find that the smartest people uh, they're just really comfortable learning in plain sight yeah you know I, I, I enjoyed it um, you know as I said there are, there are people here at Bentley's that are doing different courses some specifically related to their career others like an adjunct i guess to their their existing career but it's just it's just so important and it it even whilst it's hard work in many ways it can be relaxing because you're using another part of your brain um and and therefore even gosh even if you're you know if you're a tax guy here at bentley's and you decide to do something like um, you, you want to take an interest in, in something like sports medicine or physiotherapy, so something completely different. It still means the next day you've, you've kind of been utilizing your brain at night rather than you know, watching television or just reading stuff on the internet or whatever. And, and you actually perform better because you're, you're, you're promoting yourself by, by definition by taking that extra step. So that's, that's what, one of the things I really like about it and I always encourage people you know, it doesn't doesn't have to be to just get ahead in your career. It might just be, you know, gosh, I've always wanted to learn how to do interior design or something. I mean, I haven't, but if, that, if that's your if that's your goal, you know, go go do it. Go learn about it. Right? Don't don't just guess. Learn from the experts. Yeah, and it's like doing calisthenics for your brain, and uh, the brain thrives on uh, on variety and diversity. I think so. Um, uh, I'm glad to draw a bright line under that, and I I want to ask you about the role that mission plays in your work, but, but I don't want to leave the, the, the trading and the, and working in financial markets because, 
uh, I suspect that in your back pocket, you have some wisdom that you, you, I mean, you did that for 15 years, right? Would you say that you walked away with, uh, with understanding or wisdom or, um, or skills from that, that, you know, that, uh, that are still serving you today? I thought of two elements, I suppose. One, one was uh, that, that I guess I, I walked away from financial markets with or, or that experience. One um, was probably my, my education before then, you know, so in doing commerce at university, I knew I was quite good at financial math, I guess. And, and so taking that into a trading room and, and, and utilizing that skills where it's, you go from the classroom to the real room and, and you know, I can assure you, <laughs> you, you make a mistake in markets, it costs money straight away. Um, you know, particularly when you're, when you're structuring things, there's no more, there's no kind of second chance. Oh, you've, you've priced an option, you've put the price out to a, a, either a client or an interbank and, and they hit you on the price. If you've, if you've made a mistake and you've gotten it wrong, the, the answer is plainly in front of you. Sadly, in red ink, not black ink, <laughs> um, you've, you've made a loss, you know, or you've priced it wrong. So, so I guess that, I guess, developed further from my experience in markets was was a confidence that when I'm I'm doing numbers for myself or for my firm, they're 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 going to be right more often than not. You know, touch wood. <laughs> you know, people make mistakes from time to time, but I, I guess that was one element that will always be with me, and it's really nice to have that as a as a foundation, um, a foundation skill, I suppose. Um, particularly now, you know. Um, being CEO of an accounting firm, you know, when people are talking about numbers, which they do, uh, you know, I'm very comfortable with that as a, as a conversation. Um, but then I guess the second element, um, Bruce, which I, which I took out of it is the, the, the variety of folks that you deal with in financial markets is, is, is so wide. You know, you'll, you'll deal with the guys that have got, you know, three PhDs in mathematics and they're the, they're the people that sit in the corner and, you know, they're the quants and they have their own way of dealing with life and dealing with uh, dealing with people. And then there are the guys that come from, you know, quirky backgrounds, you know, like, like, like brokers on a trading floor. Some of them used to be, you know, used car salesmen that someone met and found that was smart and they asked them to join a brokerage firm. And they have a completely different way of dealing with people and expressing themselves than, than, than the quant in the, in the corner, for, for example. And so you've got to, therefore really learn to to deal with a really wide variety of people so um i guess people that have never worked in trading floors you know they've seen wall street or the wolf of wall street or you know any of these so many movies you know bonfire of the vanities you know any of these movies about trading floors and and the reality is it's still just a wide variety of people that you've got to deal with on any given day and it's just a it's just a different set of widgets so you know it's no different in some ways, from the relationships that you have to foster in a, in a in an accounting firm, or if you work in an insurance company, or or at a university, you know, um, whatever it is, you're dealing with an extremely wide variety of people. And what I really liked about that is I was dealing with people from all over the world, so it gave me um, an experience in dealing with types of people, types of personalities, vastly different personalities to, you know, I guess what I grew up with in my hometown of, of, of Brisbane when I was at university. And, uh, and, and, you know, you then have to work out how you're going to change your communication style or, or, or amend your communication style to, to deal with these people regularly because you want, you want to have proper conversations and you want to get the outcome that you're, you're most looking for. And I think that's, that's probably other than the math, which I get the math skills, which I guess I brought to the to the trading room and, and honed them, there's communication skills that I think, um, funnily enough, I, I I feel I learned the most from my experience in uh, in investment banking. And in, in in an environment right where where there's a, a a huge amount of sort of action and urgency and the stakes are like you know sometimes big bucks, right? Absolutely, and I guess. From that point of view, um, you know, when, when, you, when you're watching a movie, so to go back to those analogies, you know, you're watching the film Wall Street, for example, when something happens, you've got to be ready and, and you've got to be, okay, it's game time. 
you know you, you cross the white line it's time to time to roll but a, a lot of the t- there's a lot of downtime in financial markets and and so you know you can be kind of you know they wouldn't make a movie about it but sometimes people are, are bored they're, they're, si- they're sitting there you get a lot of smart people sitting around bored you know 50 percent plus of the time you know um, um i wish i was exaggerating but i'm, I'm not and, and that can be a tricky environment but then when the phone rings or you know an event occurs in the markets you've got to you've got to react to it you know like um world bank limits the amount of gold that central banks can sell or something like that that's going to move a gold market pretty pretty quickly so so all all of a sudden everyone has to like jump into action absolutely it's 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 game time you know it's like the whistle blows immediately and everybody's you know it it goes from nothing to you know to, to 100 miles an hour really quick yeah, that's that's fascinating. And is it was it you know working in that environment where uh, you know the, the, there's sort of high stakes math problems always uh, always uh, on the line and um, you know sudden urgency and and high stakes uh, and then dealing with all these different people uh, is is that what sort of inspired you to want to move into executive leadership? The skills I was learning, I, I almost felt. Like a like like a guy playing a level of sports that was ready for the next level, um, if, if you know what I mean. Like it wasn't, you know. I guess in sports you're probably dominating, you know. So if it's soccer, you're probably scoring six goals a game or something like that. So I I, I don't mean it from that perspective, but I just felt as though okay, I've been doing this for a long time. I think I'm pretty good at it. I've learned some I've learned some really good skills along the way, and then getting to work with you know the the, the executive group in different in different organizations made me made me realize hey you know i think i can do their job you know and uh, and it was just like it, it wasn't you know like if i if i went to an nba game and saw lebron james playing basketball i'm never going to sit there and go hey i think i can do that you know <laughs> but uh but you know from you know presenting to boards on different strategies you know different growth strategies around the place and hearing the conversations around the board table when i was just you know, I guess the executive in the company pitching an idea. Uh, you know, the more I got to, to work with board members and, and very senior execs, I kind of felt actually, you know, I could, I, I feel as though I could do this with a, with a bit of effort. I could probably get to that level, and and I wanted to do to put in the effort. You know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people go, well, I wouldn't mind doing that, but you know, I'm pretty happy watching watching TV tonight or hanging out with the kids or, you know, whatever it is. So they don't, which, which is great, right? Not, not everybody's the same, which, which makes this world such a wonderful place. But, you know, for those of us that want to put in the effort, you do have to sacrifice sometime. But it's, it's, you know, for people that want to do it, more often than not, you know, effort in can lead to, you know, results out. So that's, that's, that was my perspective and that's what I, I guess I learned from banking, you know, it was good to work with really smart people, sometimes pretty intimidating to work with really smart people, but but more often than not they, they, they taught me they taught me a lot and, and you know, I, I I thought it was a wonderful training ground, strangely, for the role that I'm in now, which is extremely different. You know, I wouldn't have necessarily guessed I would be in this role when, you know, twenty years ago I was working in New York. And, uh, you know, people uh, sometimes don't realize how much advisory and accounting work um, can be mission driven. And uh, how much is mission what drives you and your work? And um, where do values and integrity fit in? Uh, how important are they uh, in, in, in your world? Short answer is very much so. But uh, I guess to, to extrapolate, you know, I think that, that concept of mission is, a, is an interesting one, but it's you know, I think it's important in all its contexts. So obviously as a firm, um, you know, it's very important that you have a very clear corporate mission and you understand who you are as an organisation. But I I also really like the concept of of mission as it pertains to individuals, you know, sort of people and individuals in the firm. Some people, you know, find they have a real, are lucky, right? They have a, they find they have a clear mission or a clear calling to a particular industry or role, you know, um, you know, there are folks that say, you know, I really, you know, want to do healthcare work and I want to do that work in a poor country and really help those folks, you know, and, and similarly people, you know, get called to, to different careers as well. And I think that's a, that's a great 
characteristic to have. And, and I think when you can then align that personal mission that people want to, want to achieve with the mission of a firm, um, that f- for me is really a, a cross point or the crux of success for both, for, for both the individual and the firm that they're working at or the organisation they're working at. Because, you know, I find from, from my experience, that's what people should ultimately aim for. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's probably where people then start to realise and, and do find themselves as being indispensable, you know, and I guess as a necessary byproduct of, of mission, you get to know your own values quite well and how they drive your decisions. And that's, you know, a very important component on any any day-to-day um, interaction you have either with your management or your staff or your clients or your your regulator if you're in a regulated industry as well because those values really speak to speak to that and it's a really core ingredient in my mind that goes into your, your mission statement so i guess i believe that you know as a firm corporate values can become in many ways a summation of all these individual values within within a firm and and you know it's funny you ask about about values there because at bentley's you know we just completed this uh, firm-wide values project uh, towards towards the end of 2020, where you know we took the time and, and 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 made the effort to look inwardly as to you know who we are as a firm and decide you know who we as an organisation want to be and, and and what aspects best reflect the people here at Bentleys. Um, and, you know, to do this, we didn't just do navel gazing, as they say, but we spoke to our clients and our broader ecosystem to kind of identify the traits that you know our customers see in us, and and also what our customers most want um, from from you know an accounting and financial services firm. And it was a way that we tried to validate our thinking. I mean, it's um, you know you don't just want to come up with a, a mission statement and kind of shoehorn everybody's behaviours into it because if it's it's not accurate and it's not reflective of who you are. It, it kind of looks like you're faking it, right? So, yeah. And like, how do you beat people over the head and say, these are our values, these are our values, start living in these values. But, uh, but it's a trick, right? To figure out like, what, what, where are we coming from and where are we going? And so you, you just went through this process. Yeah. And, and look, it was, it was a lot of work. I guess it's, you know, somewhat reflective of what I said before, you know, if you want to get somewhere, meaningful or, um, and, and real, you've you got to put the work in. And, and for us, at, at the end of the journey, you know, very pleasingly, who we felt we were as a firm um, and what our clients wanted were really well aligned, um, which, was, which was great, thus meaning, you know, the answer to our values statement and, 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 and what we wanted to put out to the market and to our staff, so for future joiners as well, became somewhat self-evident. And it's it's not necessarily about making sure everybody's drinking the Kool Aid, but it's it, it's it's you know it's forming, I guess, an honest approach to who you are as an organisation. Which means you know when you're hiring people, or, or or sadly when you sometimes have to exit people, you you, you kind of know why. You know it's like well this is this is who we want. This, these are the type of people we want. You, you can train people to do skill you know more, more often than not but it's it's the people that you have and the, the 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 dna of the folks that are out there representing you on on any given day is what should be your biggest focus because they're the people that are picking up the phone and talking to clients or talking to you know business partners or talking to the regulator what, whatever it may be they're the people that represent you know example bentley's on on any given day so the more you get that accurate uh the more successful you'll be as a firm, but I think as well, if you get that right for the individual, that means you can take them on that journey with you and it's better off for them. And it's even better off, frankly, for the folks that you have to exit because if they're not, I guess, part of the DNA that you want in an organisation, you're probably setting them up to fail by keeping them. And, and, and that's where, that's where you know, I think mission and values are just paramount foundations of success for, for what you're trying to do because when it's not aligned it, it's a massive fail and people will see you faking it but when, when you get it right you know gosh it, it it really pays substantial dividends for all the work that you've put in place which is which is what you want as a as a, as a leader of an organization you want um, 
you know, that success to, to be ongoing. So, so where did you end up? I mean, so, so you, you look, took a close look inside, you talked with your clients, you said, you know, we want to know who we are. Uh, so who are you? Well, many, many firms in the accounting industry do view themselves as trusted advisors. And that is certainly something that, um, we consider ourselves and, and our clients pleasingly also consider us trusted advisors, which is great. But I guess there were four key values that, that, that came out from, from, from the body of work, which, which we loved, you know, and the board were delighted with the outcome as well. So, you know, one of them was that we're authentic, we, we, we're real, we're, so that, that was probably the first one, you know, we're authentic, we're, we're committed to building relationships, making them long-term, and, and, you know, as you'd expect in something like financial services, we, we pride ourselves on acting with honesty and integrity, which is extremely important. I guess one of the other ones was there was a real view that we, we care, you know, and um, so we're insightful. We actually utilize experience. You know, we got 700 well-educated, smart folks around the country that, you know, luckily enough, really care about the clients and, and they try and build a sustainable future for our clients. We help our clients to get to where they want to be. And that's a real day in, day out thing for us at Bentley's, you know, helping your client get to where they want to be. And, and as a byproduct, you help the community get to where it wants to be. And, and you even help the individuals that are helping those clients because they do a better job and, and they help their client get there. You know, we were also dynamic and that was that was a great one to hear, to be honest with you. That was so great to hear from the client base that people consider us as though we're, you know, really embracing the future for that client or, or for ourselves with, with confidence and agility. You know, we do think ahead. We're, we're dynamic and, and thinking ahead is a real, almost a sub-brand here at Bentley's. You know, like I'm wearing a, a Bentley's polo shirt now and it's got thinking ahead under it. And if you look on our website, you'll see that, 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 that sub-brand everywhere and it's, it's great. And I guess the, the final component that we really have built on over the last three or four years um, is really about being connected and connected to our clients, connected as an organization as well, and, and really focusing on everyone working together and collaborating in, in many different ways, not just within the firm, but also with external business partners to really help drive success for, for ourselves and for our clients and, and really focus on that. So, you know, I guess from our perspective, hearing those outcomes from the values survey you know, I, I wouldn't have necessarily written down all four at the start, but I reckon I would have got three of the four, probably pretty close. But it was, you know, let's let's go do the research, let's pay an independent firm to get it done, and, and we approached it in the in the right manner, a very thorough process, and I was completely delighted with the outcome. Bruce. Yeah, so you you did the work. You didn't just uh, sit at a boardroom table and say, you know, uh, let's let's uh, put some sticky notes up on a uh, up on a, a whiteboard. But you really did the work, and um, and and what it yielded um, is is a you know authenticity, caring, dynamism, and connection. Um, I certainly wouldn't have. I mean, that, that that takes work to come up with that that formula. And, and that that's an identity and that's got um, that's got legs. Absolutely. And it's not something that you do every year, but I think it's important to to give it a sanity check as well in the future. And that's something you, you, you want to call out because you want to check in. And, you know, if, if you say these, this is what you're doing and you're not doing it, you need to completely reevaluate in the future what you're doing then. Because if, if, if they, they separate, you know you're in a world of hurt, right? Because people see through it. You know, if people say, "Well, you know, one of your values says you care, but you're not, and this is what you're not doing." You know, that's that that would be a tremendous problem. Yeah, so, I, I, yeah, I know you've you, talked about driving aspirational outcomes uh, for your clients, for your member firms, for your staff. So, uh, you know, uh, everybody tries to be their best every day, but uh, you know, to have a real true north authenticity, caring, dynamism, and connection. Um, I like it. It's a good formula. I'm going to share it with others. Uh, uh, I promise, um, I will, I, I promise I will cite you and, 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 and I'll always point out that it's Bentley's thinking ahead, that that's where that comes from. <laughs> so, um, 
And, and people must, uh, I'm guessing people were sort of um, delighted by that. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, it was, um, gosh, you know, we had quite a few uh, working groups doing this, this project, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the board and senior partners around the country are very interested in it, of course, but, you know, the HR working group and the business development working group as well, uh, very important because, you know, your people need to be aligned and, and, you know, your message to the clients need to be aligned. That's why HR and BD respectively are, uh, were, 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 were parties that were, were involved in this. And it was such a, such a great process, but you know, I, I like like any process, not everything goes smoothly. You know, there are sometimes there are tough conversations where 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 people, rightly, if they've got a point of view, should should raise the point of view, right? But I think having those real conversations does actually reflect your values. So it does show we care. You know, like a, a lot of you know, if, if we didn't care, people would look at four words or you'd come up with an acronym and pick five words that, you know, you know, that spells out great or something like that, right? Like we could probably come up with an acronym, words that fit the word great in, in two minutes just on this call. But, you know, you, you're better to be authentic and real about it and, and, and make sure that you, you show the correct insights into, into who you are and, and who you want to be to your clients so that you can help them go forward. So, no, it was a, it was a great process. Um, and everybody, you know, as I said, because of the, um, you know, the robustness of those conversations, it showed people care, which was, you know, in many ways, the process was just as good as the outcome. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exploration. It's like sometimes when I'm doing organizational assessments, when I'm doing focus groups and interviews, you know, when people will say to me, you know, it was like therapy, you know, that, so that the process itself was like, oh, wow, man, you know, uh, I came in here saying, I'm not telling this guy anything. And, you know, I feel, I feel like I just, you know, that was like therapy. And, um, but, but, but look, you know, not everybody, uh, uh, not every leader and not every organization can afford to hire a high level um, consulting um, uh, firm or consultant to come in and lead that process for them. And, but I, but I'm, I, I'm really glad to have the discussion with you because, you know, I, I think people and organizations and teams uh, at any point can really benefit from taking you know, from taking a pause and really thinking, you know, who are we and who are we trying to be? Who do we want to be? Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. And, you know, for, for people out there that are, you know, thinking about doing it and wondering, is, is the work NPV positive, if you will, <laughs> or, or is, is the outcome worth it? You know, in my opinion, and in the process we went through here, absolutely, you know, really encourage people and do it in the right way, as 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 you said before. Don't don't come with a, you know, five words that you're going to shoehorn in. You know, literally come with a blank piece of paper and, and get someone independent to do it and go through the process properly. Yeah, well, of course, uh, uh, I'm always encouraging uh, large, complex organizations to hire expensive consultants uh, like <laughs> I do for a living. But but I do, think, you know, I also tell them like, you know, look. You know, then do it, you know, otherwise do it yourself. At least, you know, do take the pause and ask, you know, who are we and who are we trying to become? And, uh, you know, so much of this is the human element. And while people say, oh, people are our number one asset, uh, often, you know, if you really, you know, take them aside and say, so people are your number one asset, how much work are you doing on the people side of things? And, you know, they're like, oh yeah, that's soft. You know, uh, that's you know, that's not not enough ROI there. You know, even though people are your number one asset, um, and I I know that you're um, very much a relationship person. And uh, so, how how do you approach working relationships? How do you think about building influence with others? It's honestly, I think the biggest part of my role, um, and. You know, I wouldn't be lying if I said that I, I, I think about the relationships I foster all the time, you know, like every day. Um, I think relationship building, you know, is a real critical skill in life. So f f forget about your career for a moment. In, in just life, it's it's important. And I'm, I'm deadly serious about that. You know, I think, you know, I see people getting it wrong all the time um, and it is so important to get it right. You know, back to what we were talking about before about, you know, 
financial markets. You know, you you got to be able to talk to the quant in the corner who who is more focused on you know doing the math and the stats, all that sort of stuff. And and then you've also similarly then got to turn around and 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 talk to the the person who can comes from a used car sales background or something like that, and they're they're a broker on a on a floor. It's it's that they're two very different conversations, but it, they're just conversations. So to put them on the one page, that's all they are. And I, I believe. You know, the key to working relationships and any relationship building, for that matter, is around communication because, you know, without people communicating in a, in a trustful and meaningful manner, you know, everything fails. Not, nothing works, right? People are left either they're either jumping at shadows or they're second-guessing what they should be doing. Um, and, and, you know, I find sometimes when communication isn't clear, and I'm sure you've seen this, we all see this in, in, in emails and text messages you'll hear people reading too much into conversations oh wow i can't believe sarah sent me the email look what she's written and it's like well you've contextualized that but maybe call her or or go speak to her and 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 work out what she's saying because you might have the wrong impression you know and that and those sort of you know jumping to these wrong conclusions is just a recipe for failure yeah. And it's, you know, we're interacting with so many people and we're interacting with so many people, you know, by text and by email and, you know, uh, uh, now we've got zoom at least, uh, but, but even if you can see people and hear them, you still can't smell them and taste them and touch them. Um, although we shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> no, but you're, you're a hundred percent right. And, and, you know, I think, um, the fact now that we're having calls like this or, 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 or zoom or teams meetings, does allow you to add that extra element you know i've i guess if there's one one of a couple of good things out of COVID, not that there are many is that these conversations are more you know the team meetings or the team calls one-to-one so you you know i find now if i'm going to talk to one of my partners in in another city we tend to just jump on a, a team's call where you can look and see people because then when you're looking at somebody frankly you can tell whether they're they're understanding what you're saying rather than just hearing a voice on the, you know, the end of the phone going, yeah, 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 got it. You know, as opposed to, you know, seeing them nod and seeing them take notes, you, you, you kind of work that out. And and that's where, you know, I guess your, your, your point around building influence is, is important. And it's, you know, with, when it comes to working relationships, you know, you, you're not going to be friends with everyone. You know, that's, that's just, how life is so so you have to accept that but but the important thing is that you i guess you know what, what i guess I, I got grown up learning is that golden rule you know you treat people how you want to be treated and and that's so important right and i think that then you know i guess the second part of your question that you know that that then helps you um build influence because you're treating someone honesty and, and, and respect and, you know, having real conversations. Um, and, and therefore you get known as somebody that if you're asked a question, you're not just going to kind of blow off and give a, you know, blow off a lazy answer or something. It's literally going to be, well, you know, I, good question. I'm, I'm happy to look at it. And, you know, this is, this is my opinion. And, and, you know, the opinion that you're giving, if you're giving it honestly, it could be, gosh, it could be diametrically opposed to, to what the other person has asked you and the response they're expecting, right? And and that creates conflict by, by definition. But if you show honesty in your response, you show sympathy if it's, you know, a matter that requires that, but most important, empathy in your answer and, <clears throat> excuse me, and empathy in the dialogue that you're going through with that person. Um the conversation will be easier, right? Because you may have an answer if, if I'm asked a question and I give an honest answer, and it may if it, if it was different a different um, opinion to the other person, they're then more than welcome to try and convince me that I'm wrong, or I'm capable of trying to convince them that they're wrong. You know, and it's not always right or wrong or black or white, but but if you have a proper dialogue and you open yourself up to just having those conversations, you know, at the end of it. You know, I think people typically go, actually, yeah, you're right, whether it's me saying that and my, my opinion's been changed or, or, or the other person that's asked the question has changed that. And that's where, you know, gosh, empathy to me 
so important, but but often a really, really rare commodity, you know. And, um, you know, in my experience, those that typically show empathy in all their dealings, um, so honesty and empathy, you know, are those that are considered extremely influential in an organisation. I mean, gosh, you know, if you could bottle empathy or train people how to show it and, 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 and not just show it but actually live it, you know, that would be an extremely lucrative thing to bottle, right? I think you're right. And it's, you know, it's funny because much of what you're, you're describing is sort of being mindful of others, being mindful of where they're coming from, being mindful of, you know, listening to them, being open to their perspective, hoping they'll be open to your perspective, conducting yourself in a way that maybe makes somebody more open to your perspective. So often when people think of influencing, they think of steering someone else, even if you don't have power over them. Um, And what I love about your emphasis is what you're really talking about is, you know, trying to understand people and seeking to be understood and gaining real influence with people because you're treating them with respect. Absolutely. Look, and it's, you know, you think of the, you know, you think of the flip side, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not a believer in, in the flip side of, of people being empathetic. And that would be, you know, people just using, trying to influence by, by power, by ordering people to do different things in the workplace. I mean, I guess you can do it, but I, I for one, find it doesn't work. In fact, I really hate seeing it, you know, and, and, and it's a massive risk, right? Like the number of case studies you do in a, within an MBA where you find a board has done something really stupid because the chairman or the CEO has just exerted too much influence by just saying, hey, this is what we're going to do it and too bad if you disagree. That typically leads to Enron-type scenarios, right? So, you know, that's that that's the flip side for me. Um, whereas, you know, you've done well, you know, to me great leadership is built on, you know, communicating properly, showing empathy and honesty. Have you always been like this? Did you learn this over time? Did you learn this from uh, working with role models and seeing, you know, sometimes you can have a reverse role model seeing what not to do and, you know, and, 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 or working with people or maybe in your, in your, uh, outside your working life. Um, Are there people who, you know, you saw how they operated and you said, yeah, I want to be more like that. Or, or is it really just um, sort of a collage of all these experiences, which has led you to, you know, trying to be the best version of yourself you can be? It probably started with in financial markets where you did see some behaviors, which were often extraordinarily bad. And, and, and sometimes the, the type of DNA in a person that works in a trading room is, is that, you know, typical type A personality. So, you know, super driven, super focused, but often lacking some of the people skills. So you would see, to your point, some behaviors where I, you would just shake your head and just go, gosh, and, um, <laughs> you know, but then, you know, I was lucky enough when I, when I moved back to Australia, one of, one of my, um, managers in, in financial markets, so the global head of sales at the time at CBA, a guy called Brendan White, he was a uh, tremendous leader. He probably personified everything I've just kind of spoken about there. You know, he was, he would mentor without trying to mentor. He would, he would bring people together well. He would communicate clearly. He always showed empathy. And, you know, I guess, I guess what I learned from him is if you get the people right, the numbers kind of take care of themselves at the end of the day. You know, if you're in an industry that should be making money, you know, if you've, if you make an old VCR recorders where, where an industry's died, that's a bit different. But, but, you know, if you're in an industry that should be making money and you focus on the people, you, you, your number at the bottom right-hand corner of a spreadsheet will just grow because you're getting better people in, they're more committed, they're more interested in doing the job, they're more passionate about the role that they're doing. They're learning, they're helping their customers. More often than not, they're having good good outcomes on a daily basis, and that's that's what you want. 
Yeah, because uh, it turns out, you know, it's it's not just a slogan. People really are your number one asset. And um, so, so okay, as we um, uh, as we get um, uh, start uh, running out of time, this this has gone very quickly. Um, and uh, and I appreciate all your insights. And you know, if you had to say to somebody, okay, let me leave you with with a piece of advice or a couple pieces of advice. You know, what, what do you tell people who look to you as a mentor? What would you tell somebody listening to this interview? Um, you know, how do I get to be more like you? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. And, and funnily enough, my answer is and always has been, I would advise them not to be like me at all. Um, because I think people, <laughs> I, I really would, and it's not, try it it's literally people should try to be their best selves like you, you said it before um and in many ways that's all you can be you know i gave the example before you know i, I can go watch a basketball game and see lebron james smash in 60 points but i i can't do that you know so but no, so know yourself right and I'm, I'm i'm super serious about it it's work out who you are as an individual work out what you, you know it's kind of like doing a you know we all do uh, analyses of our, our net wealth or, you know, we have a financial advisor that might do that. But, you know, do a, do, do a skills audit in a way. So work out who you are, work out what your skills are, what your limitations are, what your weaknesses are, what your gaps are. Know then, you know, where you want to go as an individual. So, you know, I was, for example, I was in markets. I wanted to be a CEO. There was a gap. I needed to go do an MBA, for example. I need to do other stuff as well. But, you know, that was a clear one. So... I went and did it, right? You know, so map it out, write it down, you know, and when you when you do this, when you go, okay, so this is what I'm doing now as an individual and this is where I want to get to, there's going to be a gap, right? There's going to be a massive gap possibly between your skills and your knowledge now and where you want to get to. That's cool. Just just fill the gaps as best you can. You know, it's, you know, it's, I'm obviously a sports fan and, you know, it's the same as in sports, right? Like if you're, you're a tennis player and, and just a regular tennis player, not you know, super athlete or anything like that, and, and your backhand is weak. Well, next time you go play tennis and somebody you see somebody just working that out after a couple of points and then they just pepper your backhand, you should leave the court after you lose probably and then go practice your backhand, right? Because if you don't, if you don't practice your backhand and next time you play that, possibly that same person and they just pepper your backhand again and you get smoked off the court, well, you can't complain because you've you've not worked on it. It's a weakness, and and it's going to be there until you try and fix it. And to me, you know, business and 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 business life, and I guess your personal life can often be explained by sports, right? Like the more you practice, the better you get. I think I think that's what Arnold Palmer once said. It's something like, uh, the more I practice, the luckier I get. You know, and I think that was after he he sunk an eighteen foot putt or something like that. And it's like, well. He's probably practiced that about four thousand times before he had to play that shot in a, or play that uh, stroke in a uh, in a tournament, and and that's where you know that that career advice, I guess, to answer your question, um, you know, knowing your gaps and your limitations, so know where you are now, know where you want to get to. The same thing applies, frankly, for firms. So you know, if you're a business and you everyone maps out their five year plan, if you think about it, if you want to get from X to Y. You need a plan. You've got to work out. Do you need more capital? Do you need more people? Do you need to change locations? What's the gap? What do you need to invest? And where do you want to get to? And you know, I think one thing that I really enjoy in our strategy conversations at Bentley's is that it's a real central theme to what who we are as a firm. You know, it's, it's we want to help our clients get to where they want to be, and um, you know, we all really like that ethos, and we live by that methodology i guess and and you know the, the really cool thing as well is not everyone wants to get to the same place you know some people might just want to go from you know junior tax person to intermediate tax person or or, or or you know one company might just want to add one more store as opposed to 500 more stores you know so everyone's on a on a different journey which you know makes life pretty cool and interesting it's why why like you know the, the world we live in is very exciting and, and I guess because of that, we, we are all different. But the common theme that people can grasp properly is that, you know, work out where you want to get to um, and what you need to be good at to get to there. So it, it 
you know, if you're a firm, it might be, hey, look, I want to open another store on the other side of town. Okay, well, you know, you've got to go scope out a location and work out how much it costs, what sort of folks you're going to get in working in the store. And or, you know, from a career perspective, hey, I want to, you know, I want to move up the ladder, you know, corporate ladder three steps and it's going to take me five years and I guess I need to go do, you know, X, Y, Z course to get it done. Um but it's really, and, 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 you know, even on the personal side, you know, if, if someone, you know, has been working too hard and there's, you know, they want to get, they want to find a life partner and get married or, or whatever, it's like, okay, well, maybe I need to cut back my hours and focus on that or, or, or you know, whatever it is, right? And that's where, that's where I guess the very first answer I, I, I guess I spat out there about how would people be more like, me i guess or what would it be it'd be like just just be your best self work out what you want to do what 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 things you know cause you issues preventing you from being your best self and and what steps you can put in place to to help you get there and you're not going to get you know successes constantly along the way you know it's going to have its ups and downs but just focus on on that end game and 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 know know where you want to get to almost regardless of, of, of the aspect of your life that you're talking about. So know who you are and where you are, know where you want to go, do, do the gap analysis, and then do the work, which is really what you've said throughout our conversation. That's how you got from the trading floor to the senior executive suite. Uh, that's how you're taking uh, Bentley's network uh, from its tremendous success to a whole new level of success. That's how you take your your clients and your and your uh, and your staff and your member firms to where they're trying to go, right? It's um, and it, it you know what I love about it is it sounds simple, but man, it's like doing the push-ups. Um, you know, sure, do push-ups. Well, but then you got to go do the work. That's it. That's it. You know, it, it does come down to you know, doing your homework. It's it's funny the lessons you learn as a as an eight year old. Uh, resonate now as a 50 year old do the homework <laughs> yeah it's uh do the work and um know where you're trying to go and do the work uh tony saker thank you for being a guest on the indispensables bruce my pleasure thank you so much in our next episode i'll talk with barbara pierce the chair and ceo of connecticut hospice If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about gotoism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.